Hey, 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 welcome everyone to episode number 413 of, I don't know, Chad calls it somewhat dangerous on occasion. I don't know what he's talking about, but uh, I am Nate Dawson. Chad decided that because nothing important happened today, he just didn't need to be here. Um, really straight up said that we could tell you guys that he doesn't like it and doesn't care about your happiness. So you're stuck with me and this handsome gentleman, Chris Garber. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have the uh, like the run of the place right now. I think we could just kind of go nuts. <laughs> I apologize in advance if my Simpsons knowledge is not up to snuff. So, um, I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to the internet today. Is there baseball? Are we locked out? Still lockout, right? Baseball is back. It, it is, is time for Ooh. all the fun you have waited for. Payroll will be aligned soon. Don't you wait, Reds fans. Don't worry, it's coming. Payroll alignment, bobbleheads, and a parade. So many bobbleheads. It's been sort of disheartening. There was like a moment when the news broke and everybody got super excited. And then all of Reds' Twitter just kind of shut down. They're like, oh, that moment's over. Yeah. Yeah, I was like disgustingly not that sad about the lockout like it was frustrating and it's stupid but i was like i mean partly because it's spring spring training and lots of other things going on in sports but it's like i didn't care that much and so i'm glad it's back but yeah now we're back to cheering for a team that doesn't care they're probably going to fight a lot less hard to win the season than they did to win the negotiations against the players and that's depressing. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. I saw um, Nick Crawl had a statement a few minutes ago saying that they're going to take some time and you know pour over the CBA, and they're excited to finish out their rosters while every other team, like I expect that there will be moves made while we're filming this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he needs to look up. There's no section on a salary floor. <laughs> they don't have to worry about the luxury tax. I mean, I guess maybe the manipulating service time area might be of interest to the Reds. Um, yeah, you might want to see uh, how the draft lottery works. Yeah, that's true. He needs to bone up on the draft lottery. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really understand what difference it makes to them. The whole point of this negotiation was for teams like the Reds to throw the brakes on teams like the Mets, who are apparently going to try to win, or the Dodgers, or the Red Sox right now. They don't have it for themselves. It's more just about trying to bring the, the level down. But yeah. 12 playoff teams, buddy. 12 of them. I know you're a huge fan of that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Hey, at least it's not 14. I guess it is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, lockout's over. I think this uh, this CBA goes through 2026. That's 99 days of, uh, I don't know. I would say misery, but at least we didn't trade anybody. So it could have been worse. Spring training starts March 13th. That's that's Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So I'm pretty pumped about that. I think we'll start seeing a lot of players go tomorrow, really. Um, opening day, April 7th. Uh, Reds starting on the road. Do you have any, have any feelings about that? Well, I mean, I think the obvious thing is to draw the – the 1990 parallels where uh, 
off-season work stoppage led to a slight delay in the start of the season, and then the Reds, you know, went wire to wire. So, um, sure, sure. You heard it here first. Probably going to happen. The 2022 Reds are going wire to wire. Love it. I mean, you've got – like, there's a lot of similarities. We don't talk about this enough, but the similarities between these teams are, like, striking. I mean, both of them – on a normal night, we'll put nine players on the field. <laughs> and, you know, wearing uniforms. I mean, look, I'm kidding around. I mean, gosh, look at it. Like, on one hand, you have, you have Barry Larkin. The other, you have Kyle Farmer. Parallel. Same deal. <laughs> um, is Kyle Farmer the shortstop? I know it's not on the agenda, but is Kyle Farmer the shortstop on a- April 7th, 2022? I think so. I, I, don't, I don't want to feel that way, but it seems like if there's going to be a rushed spring training, I can see them using that as an excuse to keep the uh, the known commodities in yeah, play. If you don't care about winning. Well, they certainly don't. We're in no position to debate that. Um, so the Reds home opener is going to be on the 12th, and they are playing the Zombie Indians. I am going to struggle to remember to call them the Guardians. So the way- and the Ohio Cup is startling. I mean, that's must see TV. We love the Ohio Cup in here. <laughs> it's really, it's really exciting. You planning, um, planning on getting any of those? No, nope. Um, again, I'm not in a hard boycott like some people are, but I am in no rush to um, put money in Cabbage Man's pocket. So. If my kids want to go, I'll go. If I stumble into tickets, I'll be there. But yeah, uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm got a Did you see we have a statement from ownership? Ooh. Now listen. What did, uh, I mean, cheerless leader have to say. Yeah. So you know, I want to set the stage. The Reds. Um, you know, I'm sure the ownership and and the PR team crafted this statement over, uh, you know, some time this afternoon. Really wanted to make sure that their thoughts um, made it their way out to the fan base and the media, you know, took the statements and, and made sure they reported them. So everyone gets this news and is able to react and take the action that the team really wants. So here it is. We cannot wait to welcome our fans to great American ballpark for the Reds home opener on April 12th, when we will celebrate with all the traditions and fun that make opening day in Cincinnati, the greatest day in all of baseball. Unquote yet. There's your statement. Uh, yeesh. All of the traditions and fun will be there. It also is the greatest day in all of baseball under the Castellini ownership because it's the only day that you're really optimistic about the season. Yeah. I mean, they could be 0 and 5 by that day, I guess, <laughs> this year. I don't I mean, like, I, I'm, like, I know people make these statements all the time, and I just should just shut up and leave it alone, but. Like, what was the point of that? Like, what were they like? Oh, well, you know, so-and-so in, in Delhi is going to hear that and yeah, how, many, how many extra tickets do you think they sold? By it just, that it just seemed like, it's, a, uh, like, it's such a tone let, guys, let those guys go home early today. Yeah. I'm sure they've been working hard. They got a pack for, for, for Arizona. Like, we didn't need to stick around for 45 minutes to write that. They were sitting around a uh, you know conference table 
And that after the end of that 45 minutes, somebody's like, you know what? I think we've got it. <laughs> this is it. Pencil behind his ear. Pulled out. <laughs> um, yeah. I Pull it out of the typewriter. <laughs> Here it is. I don't want to, uh, you know, stifle people's enthusiasm because I am, I'm excited. You know, baseball kept throwing out these, uh, these false flags, these deadlines and trying to convince people that it was really, really close when they were just using the deadline as a way to throw something else in there. But it got done. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to have more to talk about over the next few weeks as opposed to uh, people just having to listen to us regurgitate you yeah. know, lukewarm takes about people that played shortstop for 30 games in 1982 or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what else about the uh, – the CBA like sticks out to you. Obviously, we get the DH, right? Like that's a, that's a big one. That is a big one. Um, what is the uh, what is the Reds' plan still to use one of their um, failed third baseman at that spot? It's got to be right. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I mean, I I get you know like always you well somebody's going to get hurt, but mm-hmm. um, I'd like to see him get Robert Stevenson on the field. A little more often than not, um, you know, when he's mm-hmm. not catching, he can he can play some DH. But yeah, I would like to see a little bit of a uh, sort of you know merry-go-round of him. Let Votto take some days off from the field, get in that DH spot, and just keep uh, keep those bats in the lineup as much as possible. And you talk about somebody probably getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, you don't wish it on anybody, but you know, our opening day DH in my if I had to guess is going to be Moose. And he hasn't exactly been the healthiest player since he's uh, been in a red uniform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, the shift. Do, do I mean, we like Nick Crawl, I need to take some more time shift. to go through the CBA. <laughs> I was pretty excited about banning the shift. I don't know so I don't know all the details. Yeah, it seems like there was some stuff reported a few days ago about bigger bases that I don't think anybody cares about. Um Banning the shift was a was a hot button one that you know is going to lead to some barroom arguments. But other than that, I mean, there were ads yeah. on jerseys. Um, they got rid of the extra innings rules that they had the last couple of years. The yeah, or seven innings. That was better. a fiasco. It was a fiasco. I had one of my uh, my buddies ask me about it. He just went on a rant one day, and I was like, "Well, there was a point in the season where the Reds were like nine and two in those games." I said, yeah. come back to normal before I start hating on it. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what, what the future of baseball looks like, like on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the expansion, the thing about the expanded playoffs, that like just to like say why I hate it, is because it makes the regular season less important. Mm-hmm. Like all you got to do is get in. And we know that in baseball in these short series, anything can happen, right? So – it doesn't. You don't need to be a hundred win team anymore. You can be a eighty five win team, especially if you add somebody late, and have just as good a shot as anybody else. So, I don't know. It's like as the regular season devolves, if things like that come back, like what's the point of playing nineteen inning game when nobody cares anyway? Yeah. And I say nobody. I mean the players care, the fans care, but the league doesn't care. Well, the organizations don't, won't care. The hardcore fans care. I don't think the casual fan cares. No, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know that I missed anything. I get annoyed by those really long games. 
I'm old, man. Too- I want to go to sleep. I want to go to sleep. I like offense. By definition, an extra inning game is usually nobody scoring for a really long time. Like the star, not the stars are usually in, but like a lot of players, the starters are out because mm-hmm. you've double switched out the wazoo to get there. So, you know, to some degree, like I've gone to a few hockey games in the last couple of weeks and two of them were overtime. You play five minutes, either you're done or you do your shootout. Either way, you're 25 minutes after that third period ends, you're home. Yeah, and people raise Kane um, whenever NHL instituted the shootout policy, but several years in, you don't hear too many people complaining about it. You know, they, get their point, they got their point thing. And yeah, soccer did they, something similar. Obviously, in the playoffs, you don't want anything to do with that. Playoffs, game can go forever. And hockey does. Like, hockey can go forever in the playoffs. So, like, I don't know. I, I don't. As I was saying the other day, like I look at baseball as entertainment. It's not a religion for me. Yeah. It's not like sacrosanct. It's entertainment. And if the shift makes the game less entertaining, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if it does. Like I'm still open to like whether you know um, Joey Gallo is a good thing for baseball. Right. Well, well I did a lot of Gallo. I did hear an argument today that uh, some have said that the – I think it was on our, our buddies over at uh, Late Night Reds. They uh, made the argument that Jay Bruce's career might have been ended because of the shift. Right, and I think – and I'm sensitive to that, and I think that's why I dislike it. But I do think, like, if the best thing about baseball is variety, like different types of players, different types of teams, different ways to win and succeed, which – you know, was like what the 80s was like. Different styles were able to succeed. If the, you know, it's possible that the shift, a, a way to beat the shift is to find guys that go the opposite way a lot that more. Right. But team, teams have, teams and players have proven either unwilling or unable to make those adjustments. Right. That's what uh, I was getting ready to say is that you see, especially I feel like in the, uh, in the NBA a lot, the league, goes in a direction, um, the three-pointer, for example. Um, the entire league starts shooting threes at a high clip. All of a sudden, one of the top teams last year and arguably the best team in the league this year is the Phoenix Suns, who their two main guys make a living from mid-range. They're like, okay, now everybody's you know playing defense to protect against the three. Let's take advantage. Baseball doesn't seem to do that. At least they haven't when it comes to the, to the shift. Like If over the next five seasons you saw people just constantly laying down drag bunts and slapping it the other way, you wouldn't have to be in the shift. Yeah. I, I think at like the individual play, player level, it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. Like facing a guy with incredible stuff, yeah. you can do your one thing. And like you've been doing that one thing for 20 years to get to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. And you can't go to a plan B. Like right. unless you're Joey Votto. Like literally – it takes the best hitter of a generation to be able to do two things. Yeah, a Hall of Fame talent is one of the very few people in the entire like, I saw online the other day, someone was like, well, Tony Gwynn would beat the shift. I'm like, yeah, but you can't make the whole league out of Tony Gwynn's. It's one of the best hitters of enough. So, so players can't make that adjustment. And the question is, why don't teams do it? And it may be that, like, even with the shift – like that's still smart baseball, you know, hit over the shift. In which case, 
I don't know what you do. I guess take the shift away and live with it. Or the guys who can go the other way have just been selected out of the game. They didn't get, you know, in the last 10 years, they haven't gotten college scholarships. They haven't gotten drafted. Yeah. And they're nowhere to be found anymore. May not be the uh, the most athletic types getting those opportunities. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe they're playing soccer now. I don't know. That's fair. It's a good point. I just, just like you you grow up and you play baseball, you're told to hit it up the middle. The ground ball, line drive up the middle is a great at bat. And then suddenly that's yeah, out of I don't think I don't think guys have been taught that. Like elite guys have not been taught that for the last decade plus. They've been yeah. told to bomb it, hit it in the air, hit it as hard as you can. Don't worry about, you know, a line drive up the middle is in the cage is a two hopper to the shortstop in the field. Right. Launch angle and bomb. Yeah. So, I, uh, I don't know how, how fast the game can adjust like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I get both sides of the shift argument. Um, I do. It seems like – what was the stat I read? Um, the average viewer, the average Major League Baseball fan is 57 years old. The average NBA fan is 37. Like, that's a, that's a problem. Um, a lot of that could probably be solved with marketing. We, we all know that the MLB does nothing to market their their best players. But adding some other little things to make the games a little bit shorter, make it a little more fun. Um, we talked about how you know expanding the playoffs is, is less than ideal, but if you're going to do it, do something fun. Let the division winners choose their opponent. Like Get creative. Get weird with it. Because, you know, think about um, like the – I keep I hate to keep using NBA analogies, but the NBA All Star Game when they uh, now they let the two captains just pick teams. It's fun. Yeah. People tune in like they actually care. It's just a weird little gimmick that can get yeah. more eyes, more casual eyes on the on the product. I mean, you know, I've got a small sample here, but my kids play baseball. They play other sports too. My kids won't watch a, a baseball game on TV. They won't. I mean, maybe a playoff game. They'll watch the home run derby. But a regular old game on a Tuesday night in July, they're out. Now, they'll watch NFL every week. They'll watch basketball games, college and pro. But you put a, a baseball game in front of them, and they just are out. Yeah, I mean, football's easy. It's easy to be a fan once a week. Um, NBA, a couple times a week. And they've got every single clip you know, on TikTok. Yep, you can watch everything important that happens on Instagram and TikTok. Baseball does need to embrace that. I hate it because I think anything that involves more TikTok and Twitter is bad for me, America, the youth, the entire world. But baseball needs to do something, um, and we'll see if they do. I think that, I mean, we're aware of these problems. They have to be too, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, but you know, I I, I don't know what they do. I mean, they're. If they're smart and they're kind of smart, they realize that their average age is 57 and they start stop catering to that group and start looking for new ones. But, you know, we'll see. Old time to complain when they, when they, uh, when somebody's on the lawn. That's right. Well, you know, at least we get to have these conversations now. We get to see what happens when they put it in action because baseball is back. I've mentioned this before. I've successfully convinced my better half that this is a job and I have to watch all of the games. <laughs> so that might just be torture for myself having to watch the Reds every well, day. You're, you're going to convince the IRS. Yeah. 
I'll leave that up to Chad. See if he can pull some strings. Um, other news of the week. You know, there's not going to be anything that sort of trumps what we just talked about, but um, the big article that made the rounds was from our buddy Hal McCoy about how our dear leader and owner, Mr. Castellini, once tried to get him fired. I can't say I'm surprised. I'm, I can't either. That's shady. I, I don't know when that would have been. I, it's got to be pretty late because I think at the time Hal was working for like And uh, it's shady. I mean, I think the takeaway from that is if he's doing that to McCoy, who at the time of you know enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame and was only like adjacent to the Reds, he's got his thumb on everybody in that broadcast booth, and he's you know not afraid to exert a little control over. The message. Yeah, I think it kind of uh, highlights the importance of. I won't say this podcast because nobody should listen to us. We we, we make that known, but um, independent journalism, um, the podcast sphere, other uh, Substacks and Patreon accounts, uh, those things are they allow you to get out and be honest, cover the cover the team honestly and transparently without having to face the repercussions. And I think that's uh, you know fairly yeah. new. I think so. I mean, I think it's um, some people will disagree, but I think it's very fair to say that the the coverage of the Cincinnati Reds is not as extensive or aggressive as, let's say, the Yankees encounter on a daily basis. I don't think that the media is even in play. They're not even playing the same game. No, I, I, I. I it doesn't seem to be a very competitive group, if that makes sense. You know, I, I think back on all the old, you know, I went to journalism school. It's not just old movies. Like, trying to scoop the competition was a thing at some point. And there's, you know, one guy in particular um, who's been around a while who just kind of goes along. And then, you know, a couple of younger guys who are, who are trying to make their, their bones and, and, and a guy who does break a lot of interesting stories and tries to get interesting angles on stuff. But I don't know. There's not like that cutthroat thing. Yeah, it's weird that in a, um, in a society where a viral clip can take you from a nobody to instant fame, that our, uh, you know, people covering the red seem so reluctant to come anywhere close to that. I mean, how many times do you does your Twitter feed get hit four times in a row from everybody covering the team with exactly the same quote or remark? And I know they're limited, especially now. Like they're all watching a screen with Nick Crawl on it, so they there's no way to get something else. But I don't know. I mean, guys have phones. It's just yeah. it's just surprising to me. And I don't know. I think the industry's changed, and I think it's. I think the teams control so much more than that. So it's not all the media guys, but it's um, it's interesting to me that you know it takes a guy who's literally been doing it for fifty years to to draw the ire of the ownership. And he still had to lobby to keep his job. That was that was a frustrating aspect. But 
we all know that uh, you know ownership front officer largely a bunch of turds so uh, no need to belabor that point too much what do you think some of these next steps are gonna look like for the Reds um, Steve make you so had a great piece called uh, you know he, he listed out three steps to fix the Reds um, I don't know if you got a chance to give it a read but uh, his first one was hire a smart modern outside person to run the organization which I have a hard time disagreeing with don't know uh, they need to be outside the organization but yeah, if it's a numbers game, yeah, they probably are. Uh, number two was return the payroll plan. Get the plan they had in 2020. Not the hottest of takes. It's hard to disagree with. It's hard, it's hard to see happening. Um, then number three was uh, probably the most important, um, the, the, the biggest step the Reds ownership could take to fix this club is get the hell out of the way. Yeah, well, I think that's all of it. I mean, I don't know. Nick Crawl may be fine. Nick Crawl may be the young, yeah, blobbity blah guy just from inside the organization. But if yeah, if you don't let him do his job, you know, if if you've got an owner who's all the way down in the weeds yelling at a reporter, then I think we know that's we know where the problem is. There's it's a one point plan to fix the Reds. Yeah, you're gonna have to ask. Uh, people who seem to relish being in charge to do way less being in charge. And and look, man, if Bob Castellini retires tomorrow, his family's still running the team. And I don't know anything about whether the, you know his son is good, bad, or indifferent. Is he part of the problem? Is he holding back the, the tide? It, you know what I mean? Is it like he's the only guy that's keeping them from losing 120 games? I don't know. Is he just as bad as, as the big boss? I don't know. If he is the only guy keeping us from losing 120 games, like I will change my tune immediately. <laughs> yeah. Run him up the ladder. Climb mm-hmm. to the top. But I don't think we know anything about him other than his last name. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Reds were one of only three teams before the lockout to not sign a free agent. I don't think the next couple weeks look drastically different. No, they're going to cut more guys. I mean, if they do anything, they're going to be getting rid of more players that you've heard of. So, yeah, well, so we should be getting ready for plenty of trade rumors. I think that we're going to hear a lot about Sonny Gray, uh, Luis Castillo, and Tyler Malley. Um, do you think anybody else needs to be looking behind their back? Uh, no, because anybody else isn't tradable. Like Nick Sinzel can go ahead and sign a long-term lease in Cincinnati because nobody else is going to take it. Or there are you know, players that might have some trade value are still cheap, so why mess with that? Well, to get away from some of this uh, terribly depressing stuff that we always harp on from week to week, um, something I thought about and I was curious to get your take on was how do you think – a uh, shortened spring training affects the battle for the number five spot in the rotation. Because I think a lot of people, even if you know, somebody like Sonny Gray gets traded, for example, you've got that open spot. A lot of people thought that Hunter Green might be the, in, uh, in pole position to take that, but he hasn't been able to work with the uh, the, the big club in this lockout because he's on the 40-man, whereas somebody like Nick Lodolo has been down there battling for a couple weeks. 
who do you think has the leg up there? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it has <laughs> I have no idea what Lodolo has been like. Has the local the local has not been down there, right? They're they're not covering minor league training. I haven't heard much. Um, there's been a couple pieces here and there, but it has not been the coverage that you would expect. So I don't know if they haven't been allowed to or or what the deal is. But it would seem like that somebody like Lodolo or you know one of the other sort of you know, talk about Reaver, Sam Martin, some of these other guys would have an opportunity there when somebody like Hunter Green now has every reason in the world to uh, or the Reds have every reason in the world to try to keep him down a little bit longer and you know mess around with that uh, that dirty word service time. Yeah, I, you know, there's, supposedly there's some things in the the CBA to address that, but the only one I saw was the, the deal about. They get a free draft pick if they if they get a rookie of the year, or second place, you know, something like that. So I don't know that if there's anything else in the deal that is supposed to address service time, but that's probably not enough to keep the Reds from cheaping out. No. I mean, a draft pick is just another guy they got to pay. Yeah. So like maybe they can choose. That. Maybe they can choose to give up a draft pick. Or the reverse punishment. I don't know. I wouldn't be brokenhearted to see uh, Lodoran and, and just you know take that number five spot and sit in it for the rest of the year. It'd be interesting anyway. I mean, I mean the good news is it does seem like the guys – you know what? It's going to be like Jeff Hoffman, isn't it? I was going to say, like, it's exciting you're going to get a new guy, a prospect, someone with the high upside, but – it's going to be Jeff Hoffman. They wouldn't let us have happiness. Nah. I think, doesn't Reaver San Martin feel like a future obscure red? Oh, gosh, yeah. There is there is one degree of separation between Reaver San Martin and Lisa Alberto Bonilla. No offense to either player. Like, like if you had come on here and said they're, they're bringing Reaver San Martin back, and he's 46 years old, and he pitched on the 2003 Reds, I would have been like, I'm not sure, but it's, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the question is, I just started watching uh, Succession recently. I'm only on like episode three. By the end of it, will I have a better concept of what it's like to be Bob and Phil Castellini? I, I haven't watched the show either, so I uh, is it worth it? What's your what's your early recommendation? It starts out pretty hot. Um, TBD. I'll get back to you on that, but okay. I feel like I am becoming an expert in rich buttholes. So <laughs> I think there's some carry over there. All right. So uh, I guess we should move on a little bit. We're 30 minutes in here. Um, we would have done the top five left fielders. That was uh, the position that was up this week. It didn't seem right having that conversation without Chad here. He's such yeah. a big Ryan Ludwig fan. That, like, it, you're right. It wouldn't have been right. He doesn't get to wear the Lubbock jersey that he's been dying to bust out for y'all. So we are going to table that for a week, um, mostly because of our, you know, group love affair with Adam Dunn. And we want as many people to be involved in that as possible, including Marty Brenman. Special guest next week. Is he so our guest next week? Is he going to be a guest on the pod? I, I don't think that he are you Are you leaking that right now? 
maybe I'm starting to speak it into existence. Like if Marty, That's where Chad is right now, folks. Chad is right now as we speak in closed-door negotiations with the Brenneman camp. Rumor has it Chad put out a, a deadline of midnight tonight. <laughs> and tomorrow we'll have another deadline. But I heard that uh, as we were approaching the witching hour, Marty tried to require that Tom also get sprawled on, and that was a deal-breaker. For the riverfront people. Um, anything Tune else? Next you week, you're the mystery guest. <laughs> anything else you think we need to touch on before we get to some viewer mail questions? No, I, I don't think so. Well, I'll, I'll pocket my Lance Nick stories for next time. Yeah, we appreciate that. All right, so uh, on the viewer mail, as always, these are real questions from real listeners and viewers and. Friends from the Patreon family at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Go there, support the community, support all of us. Um, if we don't have any money, then my you know, future wife is going to realize that this isn't a job. So <laughs> do it for me if nobody else. But uh, one point that you get to do is ask random questions, and we give stupid answers. So first up this week, and Jerry, if I mispronounce your last name, I apologize. It's Jerry Seduth. Seduth, Seduth. I'm going to go with Seduth. And I guess this one goes straight to you, Chris. It says, what was your favorite tidbit you learned in your research for the Big 50? Also, oh. sell the team. Also, sell the team. That's a good one. Um, you know, so many great stories learned, but I think one of them that I was thinking about the other day was the fact that one family were the groundskeepers for the Cincinnati Reds from like 1878 to 1970. It was like four generations of the same family. And I actually uh, connected with like their grandson on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really cool. Um, you know, just all the innovation and, uh, and just kind of the off the field stuff. I thought that was a really cool story and uh, you know, I'll read it when you buy the big 50, the men and moments that made the Cincinnati red. Some have called it literally the greatest book of all time. I've heard that. I think it was my mom that said that. But you know, she's a, she's a smart lady. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad that was your pick. I thought that was such an interesting chapter to read through. And you don't expect to read something like that. You know, the 50 greatest moments in the franchise. Maybe it says, you know, as much about the franchise as it does about this awesome uh, this awesome family. But how cool is it that that such a story part of the you know the Reds history that you guys made a point to cover it. So glad that was your answer. Glad y'all glad y'all covered it. That's awesome. All right, moving on. Next question is from and yes, those last names are tough. Brian Bouts, B-A-U-T-E. Chris, do you know how to pronounce that? I'm guessing Bouty, but we'll go with Bouty. I feel like I should have gone back and researched like Chad's pronunciations. Um, Brian says, Brian B, old Brian B said, if you were a billionaire and wanted to start a new competing baseball league, which five current MLB players would you want to sign first, considering both talent and marketability? It says, a lot about the state. it says a lot about the state of our league when I think two of the last three weeks we've had people post questions about what we would do if a new league was started. People are willing to get Saudi money start a new league <laughs> i love this question who you got here's some of yours 
I mean, I, I think Otani's the easy number one, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's the guy, international pitcher. I mean, just historic figure, awesome player, kind of a fun dude, and has the international like part of it. I mean, he's got to be the number one. Got to do it. Tall. He's a strapping gentleman. Um, easy number one pick. Uh, my number two would be uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. I like that. Yeah, I, I like, like that. I think we need a little more of his uh, his sort of attitude and approach to the game. That's pretty good. Um, I think Mookie Betts probably. Yep, we could be on there. A, you know, a fun a fun player who is uh, you know likable and and obviously really good. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad at the baseballs. Um, Tatis Jr. I think it's probably pretty good. Just a stud. Um, it's got that that flair that I think baseball needs a whole lot more of. Yeah, and I think I think for the fifth one, I would take. Um, this is kind of a, a different idea, but I'd take LeBron James. Ooh, I think you're going to sell some tickets and get some eyeballs on the TV that way. Taking LeBron James into my baseball league. I I was looking at this article that was about Q scores which is kind of like a, a popularity and awareness rating of different types of celebrities and public figures. And this was like three years ago, but they said that Mike Trout was as recognized as Kenneth Fareed, like the backup forward or whatever from the NBA. Who I don't think is even in the NBA anymore. Yeah. 22 was his score, which, you know, I think like Tiger Woods is probably like a 75 or an 80. Wow. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. that puts it in perspective. The best player of our generation, one of the best players of all time. And nobody and knows anything might, about him. You might not recognize him if he walks into your neighborhood yeah. bar. So I like our league. I think we got a good top five. I love the, I love the LeBron pick. Um, the next question is probably my favorite question that's ever been asked on here, and I spent an embarrassing amount of time thinking about this. I've actually thought about this and had this conversation at several bars throughout the last decade or so. And it's from our buddy Joe Farfsing. Joe asks, fictional baseball all-star team. So Roy Hobbs plays right field, Ricky Vaughn on the bump. Who else you got? This has always been one of my favorite barroom conversations. Like if you could make up a, a baseball roster only of movie characters, who is it? So I love this. Do, you, do any of them uh, pop in your head right away? Uh, yeah, I think I got Crash Davis behind the plate. I also had Crash. Um, I went uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez, shortstop. The adult version or the Sandlot version? Well, the Sandlot version starts, but when we need to pinch runner, we'll call in the adult version. Wasn't he like... I, that's such a, that's part of the movie is so confusing because he's got to be like forty six years old, and he's still serving as a pinch runner. Yeah, you see Smalls in the studio, obviously well past his playing days, with his really really long hat. Chance still home. I don't care. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> um, center field, Kelly Leak. Ooh. That's a very good choice. I was leaning more Willie Mays Hayes at center field, but yeah, Kelly Leak, love it. 
you'll list tends to get a little uh, major league heavy. So yes, yeah. Um, um, yeah. First base, I went with uh, Stan Ross, Mister Three Thousand, Bernie Mac, a realistic athlete, professional athlete. <laughs> what position does Crew Haywood play? See a DH. I think he's got to be the DH because I—he's tough, man. He's a tough out. <laughs> That's so good. Um, second base. I had a hard time with this one. I had to do some research. My second baseman, Marla Hooch, from League of Their Own. <laughs> uh, there was a second baseman. There's a movie from uh, called Long Gone. It was an HBO original from the, the late 80s, and it was set in the minor leagues in the 1950s. And it had William Peterson, um, later known as uh, the guy from uh, CSI, or uh, to live and die in LA. And I think he was like a, uh, he was kind of like a Crash Davis player, like a minor league lifer. And, but they had a second baseman played by Dermot Mulrooney named Jamie Don Weeks, who was pretty tough. Dermot Mulrooney, another super realistic professional athlete. And that, that, movie had, that movie had Teller in it also as uh, the son of a team owner. Teller from Teller. Okay. Why not? Um, who's your manager? There's so many good manager candidates. I went with uh, Billy Haywood from Little Big League. Uh, I got to go with uh, the, the guy from The Natural, the Wolf of Brimley. Can't remember his name in the movie. But there's a lot of good ones. Yeah, the uh, I forget his name, but from uh, Lou from Major League's incredible. You do yeah. Tom Hanks, make of their own. There's so many good ones. Yep. Um, go watch Little Big League. If anybody hasn't watched it at all or hasn't watched it in a while, the most underrated baseball movie out there. The inner Circle, as Chad would say. All right, who's next? Oh, this is a fun one, too. Um, our buddy Nathan Sturworth said, rank these Reds utility players from best to worst. He went Jeff Branson, Lenny Harris, Chris Steins, Ryan Frill. And he said Ryan Farmer in a quick baseball reference search did not lead me to any strong conclusions as to who Ryan Farmer is. So I can only assume he means a uh, friend of the program, Kyle Farmer. All right, so we look at career or uh, or Reds. I mean, it's mostly the same, but I'm going straight feelings, no facts. Okay, no facts allowed, no stats, just based on okay. based on your memory. So I think Friel is probably the best of those guys. Friel is actually a, a pretty valuable major league player for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I had Phil number one. You had him first. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who do you have second? I went with Chris Steins. And that was just because I remembered him the best, which is saying a lot about Kyle Farmer. Yeah, yeah. Stein's had a couple of years too where he was really good. Like his first his first year and a half, two years of the Reds, he was he could, he was really hitting well. Yeah, they really liked him in Cincinnati too. Number yeah. three. I mean, I think it's probably Farmer because the other two guys just didn't play very much. Like they were interesting guys, and Branson, you kept thinking was going to be. Something, but um, you know, Farmer, for all the beating we we give him, 
Like he can play shortstop in the major leagues and be just a little bit below average hitter. But I could be convinced otherwise on this. No, I think that's pretty reasonable. And you know what? If we're uh, you know if we're lucky, we can bump Kyle a couple spots up on this list by the end of the year. After he starts 162 games, shortstop. Yeah, and then, uh, I don't know. I don't know Branson or, or Lenny Harris. I mean, Lenny Harris was he played a long time after he left the Reds mm-hmm. as a as a pinch hitter for just like 15 years, right? Yeah, six of one, half dozen of the other. That was a pretty fun question, though. And anytime I get to uh, get an excuse to go back and look at Ryan Friel defensive highlights, it's worth it. Um, our buddy Kyle Kapler asked probably the deepest, most introspective, most relevant question that we've had on here in a while. Kyle said, what's the point of being a Reds fan? Not me. <sighs> uh, the, the, the two to four weeks of unbridled optimism. For me day. at this point, it's like it's really only about other Reds fans. It's only about the people that I've met and the relationship I've got, family, friends, um, over almost 50 years of doing it. So it's not – my relationship with Reds baseball has very little to do with the Cincinnati Reds organization or the baseball playing on the field right now. Yeah, there's a uh, there's, there's almost a shared trauma aspect to it. <laughs> uh, Kyle, why do, you, why do you do that to us? Why do you have to ask us these things? Uh, moving on from Kyle, I'm going to go to my optimistic amigo, Joey Gaditza, our, uh, our friend from the, the cold, frozen north. Joey says, hey, guys, baseball back now. Who are you looking forward to watching the most this year on our beloved team? It's a uh, loose use of the word beloved, Joey. But um, for Joe, it's Ty Steve. He thinks the sky is the limit for him. Chris, who you got? Who are you most pumped to watch? That's pretty good. I mean, uh, if if – I'm pretty excited about Wadolo and or Hunter Green just because I really haven't seen anything at all about those guys. It's hurt a lot. But Stevenson, man, he might be special. He really might. He could be. And I, I think, at least me, I'm a little gun shy after the Mesoraco career that just was so promising and just was just undercut by injuries. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I, may, I feel like I'm a little bit hesitant to get back in that pool, but – Man, he's a he's an exciting young player. Yeah, I think that's legit. Um, those other guys you mentioned too. If this question was who are you most excited to watch for the next five years, um, I think my answer would be a little bit different. Bring up my boy Graham Ashcraft. But for this season alone, I'm gonna go with Joseph Daniel Votto. I think I'm more, you know, stoked to see if he can do something magical one more time or two more times or three than anybody else. But there's a, there's a lot of good answers there. Um, next question is from Rex Scott. This is actually our last question. Rex says, now that the season is back on track, I guess that means the Beer League softball team can start in spring training. This brings to mind the fact that I don't have a roster spot. Oh, shoot. Sorry about that, Rex. He said, when I joined the family, it was felt that I was better suited to be added to our pickup basketball squad. This caused great mirth amongst friends here in Tucson who have played hoops with me. So can I get a position on the softball team? I don't know if we can do that without Chad here. That's a fair question, and I feel like uh, – Chad's the GM. I mean, I don't want to string record. If we've already called – Whatever, uh, let's make the call. 
we've, we've already caused great mirth amongst his friends. I almost feel like we should name him the, uh, you know, the, the power forward for the basketball team again. <laughs> and just keep it going. He's the, he's the punter. Um, since we had the uh, the fictional baseball character question earlier, I'll tie into that theme, um, and maybe we'll set a record for most times Mister Three Thousand has been referenced on a podcast. Um, but they had a character named T Rex Pitabaker, who was their young stud. So T Rex, Rex, uh, you can be our uh, athletic slug and left fielder. I like it. I, you no, can do that, or give him Kyle Farmer spot at shortstop. <laughs> That's, that's a way better idea. All right, I think that just about does it. Chris, do you have anything you want to add before we uh, call it a night here? No, I tune in next week for the Ch- Chris and Nate show. Uh, we've changed the credentials on the website, and uh, Chad is out. There's As of now, I am in charge. There is a non-zero chance Marty Brennan will be here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it, but it's, it's not impossible. Um. We are sorry that you had to put up with us, not Chad. I mean, it'll probably be the most listened to episode yet, so excited about that. But, yeah, Chris, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you uh, helping carry me through this as we fill in for uh, that dear brother of mine. And thank you to all the listeners and viewers for uh, you know, giving us a platform and not turn, turning it off yet. Uh, you can find us at youtube.com slash riverfrontcincy. Like, subscribe, do whatever the, you know, the screen tells you to do to – Make us look better. Instagram, Facebook, uh, the Riverfront um, slash Riverfront Cincy. If you want to join our community, we got a fun little Slack channel where we get on there and talk all kinds of nonsense, not just Reds. There's bass guitars and fantasy baseball and a shocking amount of Bengals talk. But yeah, that's it, Chris. Uh, appreciate you. And said so for Mr. Chris Garber and the ghost of Chad Dotson. This is Nate Dotson wishing you all a good night and. Uh, Appreciate y'all coming out.